0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: We're breaking down Bucky Brooks' latest first round NFL mock draft and also responding to the Aaron Rodgers trade to the New York Jets on RotoViz Radio.
2: What's up, RotoViz?
1: Welcome into the RotoViz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Curtis Patrick, joined by Dave Caban from sunny St. Martin. Dave is living it Caribbean style, still dialed in to everything that's going on in the NFL. Gracious enough to still record a pod this week. Um, Dave, jealous of your whereabouts this week. It is uh, currently 47 degrees here in Central Ohio.
2: Well, you know, I'm enjoying my time here. Wanted to make sure we still got a pod out with the very exciting event that will be happening at the end of this week. But more important than anything I have just said is the fact that Curtis is doing his best Baker Mayfield impression right now. Rocking a headband <laughs> and I have never seen yeah. him looking more ready yeah. to go for an episode than he is tonight.
1: Oh yeah man, I, I lunged a half mile, uh, you know, ran, the, ran the kids to death at soccer tonight, just completely dominated you know, the whole team physically with how long I was planking, you know, just out there proving myself as a 39 year old coach against these 12 year olds. So yeah, I'm ready to go, man. Like the T levels are through the roof. Um, we want to get into some rookie talk um, tonight by breaking down, you know, I would say this, like it's going to come across kind of like an alternative universe, uh, first round mock draft from Bucky Brooks. It's a lot different than some of the other popular first round landing spots that we've seen. And it's just, it's fun to think about some of these different landing spots and, and different orderings within the positional tiers uh, that could happen if things fall different ways. Um, so we're going to break that down first two thirds of this episode, and then we're going to get into some of the New York Jets stuff that has been uh, developing and, and break down how Aaron Rodgers landing uh, in the in the Big Apple affects all of the other pieces. So Dave, let's do you, do you have drops? I'll add them in
2: post. We'll add something in.
1: you will add it in post. Okay. So we'll just leave that in there so people know how the sausage yep. is made. All right. So, Dave, Bucky Brooks, NFL.com. Um, this just dropped today. So, this is his 4.0 uh, NFL mock draft. It's first round only. And let's just roll through. He's got 10 fantasy relevant players drafted in the first round we've got four QBs but only two in the top 10 um, which is definitely a veer from from popular thought just a single running back I don't think that that is a surprise the landing spot may be though and then uh, three wide receivers but none in the top 20 and a pair of tight ends so you know the one running back the two tight ends not really a veer the number of wide receivers possibly a surprise and then I think the landing spots for some of the QBs and wide receivers are a little bit eyebrow raising. So this can be fun, but we don't get too creative at the top, Dave. At the 1-1, it's Bryce Young to the Carolina Panthers. I don't think either one of us has him uh, as our QB one. We were both on CJ Stroud there. Would Young going first overall um, cause you to change the order of those guys you know, within your first QB tier or like me, are you still kind of locked on, on Stroud as as the top QB no matter what happens? I'd still be happens? locked
2: on Stroud as the top QB no matter what happens. As we talked about uh before on the show, and granted that's not much of a difference in draft position for quarterback, it doesn't really matter. I'd be more focused on if one of these guys went to a team that had a couple of players or a system that made it look like he was much more well positioned for early success. In this case, I don't think that Young going to the Panthers significantly differentiates him from Stroud. So I would be sticking with CJ.
1: Yeah, and and, I mean, CJ doesn't make it out of the top five in this thing. Uh, He goes 1-4 to the Colts. I mean, if you're the Colts, I mean, everyone seems to think that, you know, they are landing with Will Levis and then, of course, you know, today all the Reddit wildfire that and, and betting lines moving on Levis going at the one one just because of rumor mill stuff. I mean, if I'm in Indianapolis, I'm, I'm pumped. If I'm a Colts fan about getting Stroud as the QB two, not having to move around to have it done. I mean, this is literally this is the best thing that you've had, you know, since Andrew Luck, you know, retired. This puts you back on the map. It's the path back to success. I think he can elevate what's on the roster, and then you know, if you can add another piece. Uh, Especially, you know, maybe a more dynamic wide receiver to go along with Pittman as a possession type guy, you could really, you know, have a pretty exciting roster there with Jonathan Taylor and others, uh, you know, as soon as 2024. So maybe break that down just for a minute from your perspective. Yeah.
2: Well, I think if you're looking at the teams that Strode could go to um, in comparison to somebody like the Texans, for example, this is a little bit more interesting. You have the wide receiver support with a player like Michael Pittman and that has proven himself to be a good wide receiver a young player that he can start to adapt and grow with obviously you have Jonathan Taylor there in that backfield and this would be a situation where Stroud's going to come in he's going to have the opportunity to start to develop start to grow Uh, I think you could probably make a similar case if he was going with the Panthers, but this is going to be fun to see how they're able to use some of these pieces and also incorporate that run game to kind of give Stroud some leeway, if you will, when he starts as a starter. So I think that this is a pretty exciting development for him. In comparison to this move with Levis going to the Texans, that differentiation that we saw between Young and Stroud before really holds now. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how fantasy managers react to this. Because in this mock, we have Hended Hooker not going in the first round. We have the four quarterbacks. You don't see Anthony Richardson till later. And as we will talk about later, the landing spot that he goes to might remove him from the early round equation for many fantasy managers out there. So as a result, the way that things shake out in this draft with Young and Stroud going early, uh, Levis going to the Texans, and as I mentioned, Richardson coming on later, actually could shake things up in rookie drafts. And we see some different picks as as we'll make our way through this list that make this an interesting exercise of how you're going to pivot if things were to play out a little less chalky in this draft. So, Curtis, those are my thoughts on the landing spots for Young and Stroud. When you start to think about uh, Levis with the Texans in comparison to what we've talked about prior, does that shift any of your thoughts?
1: You know, I mean, I think, you know, that the Texans are a tough situation for for Levis to step into. I mean, you know, they brought Robert Woods down there as a veteran, I mean, he's going to be helpful to any young quarterback that comes down there, but they're going to, I mean, they don't have Brandon cooks anymore. They're going to need some, they're going to need some help. I mean, they need more help, uh, around a quarterback unless their plan is just, you know, um, you know, to pound the ball with, you know, they added Singletary back there, uh, in addition to what they already had. I, I mean, It's it's hard. It's like he was already a redshirt senior, and it's like, would he really need a redshirt year in the NFL to potentially? I just, you know, if Levis was going to be with a coaching staff that I trusted more, you know, like if Levis, if Levis actually did go one one and he was with Mm -hmm. Frank Reich, I mean, I, I don't like him more than the other prospects, but I think I could at least talk myself into. Getting a little more excited about him than I than I have been throughout the process because I just I trust Frank Reich, you know, to develop a quarterback. He's proven that he can do that. But you know, this Texans landing spot, I think would be, I think would be pretty rough, man. So, uh, you know, it, especially even with Richardson getting that first round draft capital uh, later on, even though he slides a little bit, I think Levis would remain my QB four in this scenario. You know, he he would have to go to a, a really nice spot, I think, and Richardson would have to fall out of the first round for me to consider bumping Levis up to the, the QB3.
2: Yeah, so, you know, it's a pretty big indictment on Levis there. Getting away from quarterbacks for a minute, because in this uh, mock, we do see two tight ends going early. One of them, and the first one being Dalton Kincaid going to the Packers, We will talk about the Aaron Rodgers move later. Uh, Of course, you have to focus on a couple of things that we've talked about here. Solid touchdown numbers for Kincaid, Solid receiving numbers for a collegiate tight end. Uh, Then you add in this draft capital here. And I think that it sets up a player that you can be excited about in the long term. We don't know exactly what Green Bay is going to look like in the short term, but the good thing is when you're drafting a tight end, you're not really looking at year one and year two as much as you would with a position like running back.
1: Yeah, this is an interesting one, especially now that the Packers have, I mean, I've seen the Packers mocked, uh, as taking Kincaid uh, or Mayor, you know, in that 15 slot many, many times. It's interesting that after the trade-up that Bucky still has them taking Kincaid. Like, because the thought is if I'm trying to move from 15 to 13, I'm taking a player that I'm worried would otherwise land in New England, yep. right? I mean, I, yep. I, I mean, unless the plan is just, you know, to move up for the sake of moving up, so that if I need to move up again, I'm moving up from a higher spot, or you know, I could I could be trading back from a higher spot and getting more, you know, uh, draft capital equity. I just don't know. I wouldn't see the Patriots as being a landing spot for Kincaid. I mean, they brought in Gasicki. They've already got other tight ends there. I, I mean, I th- that's a pretty full stable. So you know, I think the Packers are probably less likely to take a tight end now after the move up. I would see them as a spot. For a wide receiver, I mean, the Patriots definitely need a wide receiver. So maybe maybe the Packers would take Jackson Smith uh, Najigba to go with Christian Watson and surround Jordan Love with another pass catcher. Or, you know, the player that goes at 114 even with the Packers having an aging running back core, if they just want to go get somebody dynamic and have a different type of offense. You know, they In this mock, the Patriots are taking John Robinson at 114. And so I could see, you know, hey, if that smoke is actually out there that the Patriots would consider, hey, just taking, you know, you know, positional value, relative value, be damned. I'm going to take the running back because we think he's that good. Maybe that that would make sense to put the Packers there at 113. But I just don't buy Kincaid at 113. Like you're really gonna you're really gonna force the Jets to do that pick swap with you so you can take a tight end that's probably not going at 14. And I mean, I'm sure they had a handshake agreement with the Jets, not, you know, that, that they they wouldn't take the player that the Jets would want uh in that swap. You know, it's it's just interesting to think about what was going on in, in those backroom conversations. So I mean the landing spot for Kincaid, you know, for him to go T E one, I think is a victory for him. He, you know, we've we talked about in our rookie guide that we didn't see much separation between him and Mayer's prospects from a fantasy perspective. Uh, and you know, we had him really neck and neck. So I think the draft capital could potentially help us to sort that out. You know, this would be a great investment and a you know alternative weapon uh, to you know to go over the middle of the field and, and pairing with Christian Watson and some of the other younger wide receivers that the Packers have, as Jordan Love kind of gets to prove it year toward the end of his rookie deal here. So yeah, this would be exciting. I just this is the first pick that I'm like ah, I just don't know if I see it, Dave.
2: Right, and if it does come to fruition, um, I think. Kincaid definitely makes the strong case to go over Mayer via that draft position, but we will talk about the landing spot for Mayer because it's a pretty it's a pretty good one. Yeah, so I, think, I don't know. You know, man. your gut <laughs> reaction might be that yeah. you could put Kincaid over Mayer, but when we see where he's mocked to, you might change your mind. But before that, yeah. at one fourteen, we have yeah. Bijan Robinson going. To the Patriots, obviously the question, I think we might even have been asked this already and talked about it, is if he goes to the Patriots, how much does that change our outlook on a player that we've talked about as one of these, you know, must-have, number-one, unanimous prospects?
1: Well, it just gets complicated. I mean, you know, from from a production standpoint, I mean, we saw Ramondre Stevenson, who is not on the level of Robinson from a talent perspective, even though he's proven to be you know very solid you know he was a you know a pretty nice fantasy contributor uh in 2022 in that system um despite all the warts uh that it had i mean there there's really no downfield threat to speak of and the patriots were pretty you know one or non-dimensional on offense even you could argue and stevenson was still yeah. really productive so you would be excited about robinson maybe you know adding more of a dynamic feel there but was Stevenson so good that this would be a committee for the first year or two? And would that kind of suck at, you know, uh, I guess chip away at, you know, Robinson's early career value, you know, that would be kind of a disappointment or, you know, would Stevenson be part of a draft day move and the Patriots just, you know, move on from him already while he still has, you know, some youth and some value, you know, it's interesting. I just don't, I mean, I don't know. Like I, I've seen this mocked too. I know the, you know, the the premise is that the Patriots think different. And so therefore everyone, you know, everyone's devaluing running back. So Belichick would be the guy that would still do it. I just can't, I just can't really see it, man. You know I mean? They've got Stevenson, you know, they brought in James Robinson on a two-year deal. You know, they still didn't figure out what they had in Pierre Strong yet. And I think he's a good um complimentary piece potentially to, to Ramondre Stevenson. And you know, he did average 10 yards of carry last year, you know, albeit only on 10 carries, but it's not like he had a 90 yarder to the house. I mean, he was like super efficient when he did get his chances. I just don't see it. And you know, landing spot aside, you know, Robinson's gonna go in the first round. He's gonna be the RB one and he's, you know, probably gonna be the one oh one in most rookie drafts, super flex or otherwise. So I don't think this landing spot would probably change that. But, you know, I think it would be disappointing because you wouldn't automatically think that he would consolidate the whole backfield. I mean, from a talent perspective, maybe you would argue it, but, you know, Stevenson was pretty good.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that of the realistic spots that I've considered that Robinson might go to, he stays the number one back for me no matter what. When I look at the Patriots roster right now, the way it's constituted, I just really doubt that we would see Robinson going to them. Uh, I think it would be more likely if we saw a move where the Patriots traded back a little bit and for some reason he were to fall than them sitting at the 114 and going ahead and making that pick. So uh, we'll see how that plays out.
1: They just have so many other yeah, needs, they, man. They, they have so many other needs. I mean, I know they brought in Juju, but I mean, if, if the Patriots have a chance to bring in the top wide receiver in the draft and instead they draft right. running back, I mean, if I'm Dave Cabin, I'm pulling Oh my, my god,
2: out. I will be going nuts.
0: <laughs> and then the worst part is I'll have to
2: be yeah. explaining. Yeah. Well, I'll choose not to, but I will be hearing a lot of conversations at work where I'll just want to be like, uh, "All right, like let's really break down why this is awful here." And then I'll hear the same thing. Oh, but Belichick must see something in you know he knows what he's doing. Same conversation I had with Sony yeah. Michelle. Moving on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So Michael Mayer goes one twenty one. So that's that's the tight end two in this draft. And, you know, we had him neck and neck with Dalton Kincaid. I mean, this is a pretty great landing spot, man, with Justin Herbert. You know, this, you know, Keenan Allen is on the back half of his career. You know, Mike Williams, um, you know, continues to battle injuries of, you know, nearly every kind. You know, we've seen the Chargers be commonly mocked as taking a tight end or a wide receiver. So, I mean, I think Bucky definitely has this locked down. You know, it it could potentially be a burner like Jalen Hyatt here or Zay Flowers. uh, But Mayer makes some sense too. You know, they had Gerald Everett there last year and, you know, he did a respectable job. But, um, you know, I'm not sure that he added as much to the offense as they would get from a guy like Mayer, who is a, you know, a bigger body and um, probably more of a complete tight end, I think it would be fair to say, than than Gerald Everett. So, yeah, I, I like this spot and, You know, with both of the guys getting first round draft capital, Mayer landing with the Chargers, and let's say Kincaid does land with the Packers, how would you order that? I think I would
2: put Mayer ahead of them, ahead of Kincaid. Me too. Yeah, you know, there's reasons that you can make the case. One of the things that I've talked about before is we do have the measurables on Mayer, which are important for a tight end. They're pretty good in his case. You add in the fact that he'd be playing with this talented player in Justin Herbert in an organization that has been successful over a recent time span. Uh, As you said, Mike Williams struggling with injuries, it just looks like there'd be this plan in place for him to step into. Uh, It's a pretty good differentiation. Also him going at 121 to a team like the Chargers probably pushes him up maybe a spot or two in the rankings that we would have in the rookie guide. So that is pretty exciting. Now, if the Chargers don't go with somebody like Mayer, as Curtis mentioned, I think it's likely that we do see them go for another pass catcher, uh, at which point things get pretty interesting for that player, especially with the way that this mock has come out here. Uh, we were to see any of those high-level receivers that we have talked about prior make their way to San Diego. That would be very Very interesting. Now, before we actually talk about the first wide receiver going off of the board, we have that exciting move of Mayer to the Chargers. The 122 that Bucky has here, Curtis, is really, really interesting. I'm going to say the name. I'm going to let you take the first crack at this one because I'm still unsure. (laughs) My mind still has trouble processing if this happens. At 122, it's Anthony Richardson to the Ravens. What do you think?
0: Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire. You need indeed. I mean,
1: I don't, I just don't buy it. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that this is very realistic I don't think that Anthony Richardson is a Todd Munkin type mm-hmm. of quarterback. Uh, I think that he's going to want somebody with a lot more accuracy. I mean, the bringing Munkin in, you know, the idea would be to either, you know, more, you know, unlock Lamar Jackson further. I mean, there's no, there's no like bones about it. Like Lamar Jackson is a better passer yes. than Richardson. Like he's, he's leaps and bounds better. Um, so it's easier for me to see the Ravens smoothing it out with Jackson and then him getting a chance in the Munken system, but I think they also bring him in because, you know, they do... Unfortunately, I mean, they are going to need to be able to keep up, you know, with all of the firepower in the AFC if they're going to break through and, and win a, a Super Bowl, you know, with this current roster construction. I don't see how Anthony Richardson puts them closer to that, and, you know, if this is the path that they were going to go down... I don't think it's the right OC match. Now I think the argument would be, well, the Ravens would never think that Richardson would actually fall here, and if he did, would they be able to resist it? it you know, if that is Bucky's thinking here, you know, perhaps I buy that, and then they can get bold and you know, you know, try to figure something out with a, a sign and trade with with Jackson and and move on. You know, I don't like the idea of drafting Richardson and then quote and then basically like developing him. Behind Jackson, I mean, like Richardson should be able to come in and, and approximate what Justin Fields did as a rookie, you know, at just with his legs right away. Like, I, I think, you know, you let him learn on the job um, how, you know, how much accuracy is he going to develop holding a clipboard on the sidelines? I just don't know. But this doesn't feel like a Ravens pick to me, given the direction that they've said that they want to go, unless it's just a pure value proposition, you know. Richardson going in the first round will keep him above Levis for me uh, as long as Levis doesn't go, you know, one, one. Um, I think that's kind of the idea here just because of like the pure athleticism. I mean, we've talked about it early in the process is he's literally one of the most impressive athletes, if not the most impressive athlete ever um, at the quarterback position. So, you know, you've, that stuff's going to continue to be tantalizing as long as he doesn't fall to you know, round two. And the reason I draw the line there is just, you know, he's, he's a great, he's a great rusher and he does throw a nice deep ball, but this is a far different situation than like when Jalen hurts fell to the second round. Like when Jalen hurts fell to the second round, you know, he, he stood out as a freshman at Alabama. Then he was a true star as a passer at Oklahoma, high accuracy, along with all of the rushing upside, a much more complete quarterback that you know we were frankly shocked fell out of the first round um it's just a totally different situation so you know it's, I'm not being negative I'm just trying to be real about what Richardson then you know he's in is he's an exciting project but you know he's not on the level of a you know Jalen Hurts Where he falls the second round and then he's, you know, on auto draft and all of our rookie drafts for us. The
2: coolest thing would be if this did come to fruition and Lamar stays there and we finally get to see one of these teams deploy this system where both of them are on the field every play. (laughs) And we just see what that (laughs) looks like. Yeah, that would be pretty sweet. Right. Um, But I wouldn't. I'd be inclined to say that there's other landing spots that I'd be a lot more excited for him in. I'd be afraid that there's this thought that you can plug him in one for one for Lamar, uh, which I think would just set him up for failure. I would not see that working out. But we spent enough time there. Let's get to some of these wide receivers. In this mock, this would be one of the more interesting things that could happen. You have Jackson Smith and Jigba going to the Vikings. Playing with Kirk Cousins, great. Playing alongside Justin Jefferson, maybe not as exciting as him going to a team where he's locked in to that number one role. We worry here about the fact that it's going to be a Jamar Chase, T. Higgins situation. Both great players, but there's one that's always going to be on top of the other.
1: Yeah, I think that's spot on. I mean, that being said, you know, Jefferson's and Thielen especially like a couple years ago I mean they still got it done I mean we have lots of situations in Dynasty from a Dynasty value perspective where you know the one and two are valued very similarly you know Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell um, especially come to mind uh, along with you know Chase and, and Higgins both being you know top 36 assets in any format kind of however you cut it so it's not really a death knell on JSN you know, it probably caps his ceiling and, you know, it might cap, I mean, you know, if I, I've even seen the the comp of of JSN to Adam Thielen, actually. Um, and so, you know, if he's a younger, better version of Thielen, you know, does, would that cut in maybe to the the total volume of Jefferson? I mean, Thielen, when he had settled in, he kind of was like the red zone threat and the alternative, Option and you know, especially before he, the injury started mounting, is pretty good. You know, Yak receiver because he's so good at creating some separation, always able to get a couple yards after that catch. I mean, JSN's kind of cut from that same cloth. So, you know, at first glance, I think it's like, oh man, like I wish he would have gone somewhere we could be the alpha, but you know, I think there would be roll separation. And if anything, it will, might bring his value back to the field a little bit to where it would be easier to trade up in your rookie drafts to take um, JSN, whereas, you know, before landing spot was known and he's, you know, he's kind of locked in and in one QB rookie drafts as the one, two or the one, three, you know, maybe this makes him more of an eye of the beholder type rookie draft prospect and makes him more attainable, which is fine for you and I, you know, who are both you know pretty big fans. Sure.
2: So I could see myself potentially leaning Addison over in Jigba Um, if that were to play out. uh, We will talk about the projected spot for Addison here. And of course, I've been high on Addison all draft cycle. But another interesting move would be, and this one seems realistic. I do think it's possible we see Zay Flowers going as the second wide receiver off the board. In this case, he goes to the Giants. This is a team that I've seen him mocked to a number of times playing with Daniel Jones, who the team has signaled that they're pretty committed to. uh, I think he could step into that system right away, make a pretty substantial impact. Uh, The question here probably becomes, if that happens, is that enough to lock him in in as the number two over some of those other impressive young wide receivers we talked about?
1: I mean, if if no other receivers go in round one, I could see Flowers locking in at the one, two. I mean, we've seen, you know, the importance of draft capital, you know, with wide receivers. You know, if you don't go in round one, you better really go in that top 40 to 45. Yeah. Like the back half of the second round has been an ugly, ugly situation, you know, for wide receivers. And so, you know, if if Flowers is one of three going in the first round, I could still see him, you know, lo- you know, landing there as the third wide receiver if he's one of two in the first round i mean I, I guess i could see him you know potentially uh getting up to that wide receiver too but i think what it would do uh is it would separate the rest of the wide receivers from jsn from like a tier perspective you know i think there would be you know more of a gap between them um and then we can spend our time you know arguing over who really should be two or three but it would it would it would get that separation in there versus jsn so yeah, I mean the Giants have abundant opportunity. You got to like what Brian Dayball is doing there. I do think Daniel Jones will continue to improve in this system. I mean Dayball's proven that you know he can develop and, and adjust his strategy to the players on his team. Um, you know I do think that they'll you know figure it out. Have Barkley back there. Uh, they've brought in some other complementary pieces like Paris Campbell uh, to you know compete for some of those other types of targets. But you know Flowers would really pencil in. I think is the you know, the alpha from a target perspective, you know, even in year one, if you were to land in this spot at 127, your boy Jordan Addison goes to the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, if this is the way that it plays out, you know, I mean, Addison is the clear two, if right. not the one, you know, getting that Buffalo Bills landing spot, being a potential heir apparent to Stefan Diggs, you know, perhaps two years or so from now, but this would really give Josh Allen that legitimate number two that still just really hasn't developed. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders is probably the closest thing that they had, you know, a couple years ago. But Gabe Davis is really, I think he really slots in more appropriately as a, a dynamic third piece rather than, you know, a priority number two, which is what Addison would, you know, be in this offense. Yeah,
2: definitely. This would be an absolutely terrific landing spot for him. In my mind, uh, you have a couple of years to transition alongside A very skilled, very well-established veteran wide receiver playing in a team that still remains to be one of those top still young teams in the AFC playing alongside Josh Allen. I've talked about the fact that Addison to me just feels like the receiver potentially most well-equipped to come in make an immediate impact, sustain it. I see that style transitioning very well to the NFL. And in comparison to a player like Gabe Davis, Addison just feels like one of those guys that will be a um, steady contributor and a consistent contributor. I think he goes to the Bills. For me, it's going to be hard for me not to select him number one uh, at the wide receiver position over Smith and Jigba. And my dynasty valuation on him would be very, very high.
1: If we get the 27th slot for Addison in the prospect box score scout over on rotoviz.com, his top two sims are Deshaun Jackson and Calvin Ridley. Pretty good pair of guys uh, that were also often the number two option on their team when they were at their best from a fantasy perspective. So I think that's you know kind of interesting. Uh, We also see Christian Kirk, Robert Woods, Deontay Johnson, Randall Cobb, Jehan Dotson, all within his top 10. So that's, that's pretty good. You know, him sliding a little bit later than, you know, maybe we would have thought a month and a half ago or so in the process, but you got to think about it from an NFL team perspective, how we could go this far down. Um, You know, that, that one seventy three weight, you know, the speed score um, you know, the, I guess the questions around the quality, the production at USC, you know, post-transfer, you know, I think those are some things that could cause him to drop, but, you know, for a player like Addison to land with Josh Allen and then also not be the guy getting all the attention, uh, in the offense, or, uh, I guess from the opposing defense, you know, that'd be kind of a dream for a fantasy production, uh, perspective. So that Dave, that takes us through Bucky's 10 positional players in his 4.0, uh, one round, uh, mock draft. You know, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, I like some of these, I, I like the exercise because it, it gets some of these players into, in, into team situations that we maybe hadn't thought of as much. And, you know, throughout the process before the NFL draft, it just gets so tempting to kind of get, you know, take lock on, on your rankings. And then, you know, well, that a lot of that's based off of you know, the, the two or three spots that players most commonly get mocked. And then everyone kind of just sees them in those uniforms. And it's like, yeah, I mean, that's not usually how it goes down. I mean, there's usually a lot of surprises. I mean, Clyde Edwards are goes over Jonathan Taylor, like that stuff happens. And so, you know, and players slide and players get drafted high and you know, some teams value the combine, some teams value production. I just can't wait, man. I can't wait for Thursday night. I can't wait for Friday. Can't wait to get volume three of our rookie draft out to all of the listeners uh, and, you know, purchasers and subscribers. We're going to be sending that out to everyone's mailboxes this Sunday night, late Sunday night. We know a lot of rookie drafts will start the following Monday after the NFL drafts. We want to make sure we've got this stuff in everyone's hands. You know, I think our goal is sometime around 9 p.m. or 10 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night, you know, uh, with an hour in an hour or two, we'll, you know, we will try to to hit that time frame for, for all of you. So Dave, any closing thoughts on this mock draft re- review exercise from Bucky?
2: No real high level comments other than I just think that this was a good exercise in thinking about how you can make pivots on where you saw players. The reality is things are going to happen that are going to be kind of weird. You need to determine for a given player, how much this change in either draft position or landing spot really matters. Do you need to update your priors? There might be situations where you don't need to. Yeah. You have to take it on a case-by-case basis. But I think if you start thinking about some of these things right now, uh, you'll be better positioned where you actually are come onto the clock or you start thinking about which players you might want to make some moves <laughs> and trade down, trade up for. Uh, so good thing to read through. Different mocks. Think about how you react.
1: All right. Well... I don't wanna belabor the point that we have other we have you know more episodes to come where we can break down the full impact of the New York Jets offense. But I know you did pull a couple key Aaron Rodgers yep. stats that might help us understand is he still good or For not. For sure. Um and so I think we we could at least kind of tease this New York Jets offensive breakdown exercise with you sharing some of your uh analytics research on Aaron Rodgers as we close sure. the episode. So
2: there is a couple of things I wanted to do to just kind of frame if Aaron Rodgers has started to slip in any way that would make me call into question the projections I could give, say, to his receivers as I start building out his projections. So I went back and looked from 2019 to 2022 at a couple of things. I looked at his on-target percentage when pressured. Uh, 2021 was a down year but 2022 was in line with his 2019 and his 2020 which were on uh on par with what we would have seen from him earlier in his career so that's a check in the rush bucket there i also looked at his on target percentage of passes that traveled more than 35 yards we do see a little bit of a drop down the last two years but nothing that i could really point to as say is indicative of a major drop for Rodgers. Also, if you look at those similar or maybe not similar, like more simple stats like completion percentage, um, air yards conversion, average depth of targets, um, attempts per touchdown, you don't see anything too glaring. And the other thing you have to keep in mind, Curves, is in 2022, it's a year without Devontae Adams, so you might see some of those numbers fall when you consider the fact that he no longer had that real elite wide receiver. So those are some good boxes or you know, questions that you might have chest off the box. Also, uh 2020, 2021, in comparison from 2015 on, you see his two highest completion percentages. Uh, he actually had a higher Catchable percentage in 2022 than he did between 2015 and 2019. You do see a dip that's a little bit troubling in adjusted yards per attempt and yards per game. Also, touchdown percentage going down last year. As I mentioned, some of that could be the fact that that receiving core became a lot younger, didn't have Adams there. But my larger takeaway here was just that if you were trying to make the case that we've seen a slip in Aaron Rodgers. And how he might be able to support the players around him. I don't think that there's anything you can definitively point to and say it has happened or it's starting to happen. You'd have to wait until next year to see how it's gone. But my overall assessment is that Aaron Rodgers that you've seen the last three or four years is the one that you could expect to transition over to New York. As a result of that, Garrett Wilson remains one of those real high-valued not just young wide receivers, but wide receivers in general. And I think we could be looking at another season. Uh, Alan Lazard has some wide receiver three games, flirts with a wide receiver three, wide receiver four season. I think he'll be the number two there behind Wilson over Mecole Hardman. Uh, Point being here, what you might have expected if you transition Aaron Rodgers the last couple seasons from Green Bay to New York, I think is what you're going to continue to see, at least in 2023.
1: Well, as a dynasty manager who has come across several Garrett Wilson shares this offseason, I'm happy to hear that for sure. And, I mean, if you look at the surrounding cast, I mean, there's no question. I I mean, offensive line aside, I haven't had enough time to really think about the offensive line impact, uh, especially for an order player like Rodgers. But if you're just looking at the skill players surrounding, I mean, there's really no question that overall – uh, this is on par, or potentially even slightly better than anything that that Rogers has played with in the pa- past couple of years. Um, that being said, you can't really ever fully replace somebody that's as dangerous as Devontae Adams and the connection that they had. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'll take he- uh, healthy Brees Hall over anything that he's had at running back. I mean, we you know, Rotoviz has been Aaron Jones fans, you know, for years, but. You know, back half of career, Aaron Jones versus, you know, potential early prime Brees Hall. That's not going to be an equal thing. Garrett Wilson, I think, is going to be better than any wide receiver not named Devontae Adams uh, that Aaron Rodgers has played with. You know, bringing over Alan Lazard, who he's very comfortable with. You know, I think this could be, you know, a good situation. We know the Jets are going to have to pass to keep up, which is another thing that maybe they didn't have to do as much in the NFC North, but. Now you're playing with the Dolphins and the Bills four times a year. Uh, you know, that's going to be pretty interesting too. So I'm glad to see that that's what your research is showing. It's, it's going to certainly be more interesting for, you know, the 2023 NFL story if Rodgers goes to New York and is good than if he goes there and, you know, just tanks. I mean, I, obviously you got to draw the, some of the parallels. You know, when Favre went there for, also from the Packers, you know, more than a decade ago that New York Jets year was kind of ugly. Uh, you know, He, a lot of people even forget that that happened because, you know, he spent the last couple of years of his career at the Vikings and he looked a little bit better. But, you know, I I would like to see for the NFL story, Rodgers go there and be successful and to lift all those other pieces around him. So, okay, so more to come on that. Uh, thanks for doing that uh, early research, you know, in response to the trade, Dave, that seems to have dominated news for the past 75 days or so since Rogers declared that he wanted to play in New York. Uh we may be back later this week with an additional pod It's gonna depend on Dave's vacation schedule down in Sunny St. Martin. And obviously uh myself and the rest of the rookie guide team are gonna be pounding away uh trying to get that volume three out for you. If we see you again, uh it'll be later this week. If not, we will be back better than ever early next week to break down the nfl draft what it does to dynasty startup draft adp all of the next moves that you need to make in your dynasty leagues it's going to be a dynasty heavy may here on the road of his fantasy football podcast and i cannot wait